Hello and welcome back to Let's All Off At, the football podcast that thrives at someone else's expense. I'm George and I'm joined by Dan, Johnny and Andrew. So full panel this time, first time in a while, and it is good to be back on my end, I must say. Mm. <laughs> same here. Yeah. yeah, same here. Well, yeah, well, you know, Arsenal won again, so it's all good. Yeah, all right. Well, in our absence, we will start with our two teams, I suppose, myself and Dan. So we'll go with we'll go for Liverpool first. Um, sort of sort of breaking your duct a little bit in the end, albeit against bottom of the league, but still two uh, 0 against Sheffield United and yet another injury hit team. Um, I think about three or so absences before in the last 24 hours before the game. So certainly a good result to pull through on. Yeah, and it's just we needed to win the game. You know, we were far from, I mean, far from our best. It was, it was better. Like between the boxes, it was okay. Like it has been for a while, to be honest with you. It's just, you know, conceding goals, obviously, and not con- not converting chances have been the issue, which isn't like us, um, generally speaking. But yeah, we just needed to win the game because the results over the weekend really went for us, and um, with a little bit of help from Arsenal, to be honest. So. Yeah, winning was winning was all that mattered, you know. You're right, at the bottom of the league, they're a poor side, they're probably relegated. But I couldn't have cared less how it came, you know. I'd have took another Origi off the bar in the derby just to win the <laughs> win the match, you know. I didn't yeah. care less. So yeah, good result, good three points. Um but you're right, like obviously one of the absentees was Allison because of the tragic events of his father last week, which was awful. Um and you know, we look like we've got Jota back and then he goes downhill the night before the game and obviously Henderson has surgery in the week. It's, just, it's been pretty, um, I'm fed up of saying it, but it's been pretty relentless, really. Um, and there's some stats starting to come out now in terms of, you know, days absent. And I think our, ours are like far and away the worst in the league. I think Crystal Palace is actually second to us, to be honest. But Yeah, we've had one of the worst injury records in the league for yeah. a while. That's, yeah, but, that's what happens when you have a combined the oldest squad in the league with subpar training yeah. facilities. Yeah, ours is ours is a little bit. People are saying it's down to like the intensity we played at, but you know some of the injuries we're looking at. Obviously, the Van Dijk one was a tackle. You know, we're looking at freak sort of stuff that's gone on really. So I'm not sure I buy that. Maybe some of the muscle ones are, but you know, I just said to Andrew off the call, like, you know, obviously a lot of teams are dealing with injuries, but it's all relative. So our injuries hurt us because we we were competing with Man City. You know, that was the idea anyway. Whereas, you know, other teams' injuries hurt them because they're competing with different teams. You know, it's all a different different mm. way of looking at things. But yeah, and like listen, we won the game um and we needed to. So uh hopefully, you know, it, it kicks us back into gear. Yeah, I mean don't need to worry about high intensity from us. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's definitely not high intensity that's killing our injuries. But on Liverpool, I, I do want to play a little bit devil's advocate in regard to injuries because Although you've had a good win, the last couple of weeks have, have not been as good at all, particularly the Everton game. Um, I'm sure you'd love me to bring it up. Their first win at Anfield since, I think, 1999. So I was a whole one year old then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, had to get that in there. But yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made, even though Everton have improved massively this season and are, are no slouches at all with the, the teams that they've beaten. You, there's an argument that even with Liverpool's injuries, their attack, particularly at home, is still good enough to win games. And they weren't scoring goals was the problem. They didn't get a single goal against Everton. So it's not even a case like they're losing games narrowly. There doesn't seem to be that much fight in the team. Like, surely you can't boil that just down to injuries. I could definitely try. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm, a lot of people have said this now, like, the attack's the one that's not scoring goals. You haven't conceded that many, et cetera, et cetera, which is right. But I think, you know, that's... I want, narrow-minded is not fair, but it's quite a short-sighted way of looking at football. So everything we do, you know, has, has changed because we've lost the entire spine of the team. Like, everything the midfield normally would do is probably a second slower than it should be. And, you know, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold aren't bombing on as much because they haven't got Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez behind them. And... They haven't got Fabinho and Henderson in midfield. Everything's changed. Like the entire spine of the team that, let's face it, ran away with the Premier League last season mm-hmm. has gone. Like, you know, we played Sheffield United the other night with none of that. Like, I would say the spine would be the centre midfielders and centre halves and the goalkeeper, and mm-hmm. not one of them was there on Sunday night. It's it's a completely new side. It's it's quite worrying, really. Um, but he, listen, I mean, the attack, the strikers haven't been that good. That, that aside, you know, Salah, you know, has probably stood out at the restroom because his numbers are still ridiculous. But 
Firmino's been way off it in terms of scoring goals. Mane has really struggled, if I'm honest. So there is a point to be made there. But I think when you're talking more generally about Liverpool's play, it all boils down to the injuries for me as why we've suffered. Yeah, I mean, for you two, Johnny and Andrew, as more outsiders who have both faced Liverpool this season, and, I mean, Newcastle even came away with a point in the end. How have you... What it's It's been quite a quite a drop from last season. I mean, all the stuff around that they're the worst defending champions, they're not even close, especially, especially not statistically, but it has been chalk and cheese compared to a lot of what we saw last season. What do you... apart? Is there anything else you can put that down to, really? I don't know. Um, it's funny to think about. I, I, I thought Alison played on Sunday. That's what the commentator kept saying. Alison kept saying. Oh it. God, how annoying was that? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's he talking about? He's not even playing. Yeah. Um. I think Liverpool. I mean, there's it, definitely been a drop, but then again, they were so good last season. It like, absolutely. They were unbelievable. And it, anything would have, would would find it difficult to keep that intensity up. Of course they would. And um, injuries haven't helped. Yeah, it's a it's a really difficult one because um. They've still got some fantastic players in that team. That, that players that should, that should still be beating teams like Burnley and Brighton at home. But um, it's a it's a weird one why they've dropped off so much. It's uh, I can't really explain it. But um, it's a big win on Sunday because um, if they'd lost that, it'd have been wow. But no, you know, they're they're back. Kind of, I think Liverpool. I mean, me personally, I think Liverpool have dropped off hugely. But you know. I mean, they made the decision not to go and buy a proper centre-back in January. Um, and they also made the decision to let Lovren go and not replace him last year. So, but, you know, again, to knee damage for the whole season to your two best centre-backs is crazy. Um, I agree with Dan. I think Mane's not been the same this year. Firmino was OK last year, but he's he's dropped off as well. So I think... If you're you've missed the spine and you're maybe the players who were getting you out of games aren't quite playing to their level, then that's going to lead to the drop. I still think they'll finish in the top four though, because I I do have a feeling Leicester are going to choke again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean it's I mean Leicester. Have, we'll get onto them when we talk about the Leicester Arsenal game. But as for the opposing teams, Everton and Sheffield United. Very much contrasting fortunes with Everton. I mean, beat Southampton last night, obviously. I believe if they win their game in hand, they'll actually leapfrog West Ham into top four spot. I mean, imagine saying that this time last season. <laughs> Everton and West Ham fighting out for top four. But, I mean, it's no secret what's led them to where they are, both their manager and the money that they've spent, albeit they've spent it a lot smartly than in recent years. I mean, where what, what is? I mean, how far can Everton really go this season and in the next few years? I suppose. I mean, I was impressed with them in the derby. Um, I will make the point, like I always do, that you know it took 22 years for them to beat us at Anfield, and it was empty when they did. So that's probably, <laughs> probably a factor, like you know. Um, but anyway, they were they were good that day. I don't think they were very good last night. You know, against the Southampton side that's you know on the bones of its arse. Let's be honest with us. Um, but yeah. They play, oh, they play really quite poor football, don't they? I was going to say they play like football, but they don't. It's um, pragmatic is probably the way I describe it. It's what you'd expect from Carlo Ancelotti, if you're honest. They work really hard. They defend really well. And, you know, they've got Dominic Carvalhoen, who bullies central defenders, if you let him. Let, let's, you know, and last night the goal comes from a long ball up to Carvalhoen. He wins you know, two headers, and Richarlison finishes really well, to be fair. So it's not, you know, it's not groundbreaking in terms of what they're doing. It's not it's not Man City or Liverpool of last season. Let's, not, let's have it right. But it's effective, isn't it? I don't think they'll get top four. I, I think we've seen in the early season they were flying, weren't they? And then they went on a really dismal run. There's time for that yet. Um, so I don't think they're finishing the top four. Like I don't think West Ham will. I think their fixtures coming up are really tough. But, you know, Europa League for Everton will be progression, wouldn't it? And I think they'll get better again next year because, let's be honest, Ancelotti's a very good manager. So, yeah, it's promising for them. I think for me with Everton, some of the money they've spent is, you know, they should really be pushing. Um, they do get away with some, like, really bad signings, um, like Iwobi for £30 million. I mean... Great signing. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Balassi for twenty six million. Oh, yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, they, mm. you know, they had the, I mean, the whole, you know, they have the sporting director. Some of, you know, their defenders aren't cheap. Yere Mina twenty six million, Michael Keane twenty five million. 
you know they yeah, have spent huge like Pickford 30 million like they have spent huge amounts of money they do go under the radar because they're seen as Everton like oh you know they're not really but their spending probably is more than a lot of the teams in the top six so they and then they now got like a world-class manager who's won the Champions League you know so they really should be but I for me, I think if they can strengthen their wide positions and supply to um, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin, then, yeah, they could definitely push for a top four down the line. I actually think West Ham are better than them at the moment. I think West Ham will wow. probably... Yeah, I think West Ham would probably finish ahead of Everton. Wow, very interesting. I mean, I, I, I've certainly been impressed with West Ham, as I've said before. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them a bit later. But as for Sheff- uh, Sheffield United... Um, I mean, it's they had a bit of that little resurgence, didn't they? You know, beating a couple of teams around them, beating Man United, uh, Old Trafford, but it's just sort of gone a bit flat to them. I suppose it, the, the mountain looks, particularly with, with Fulham's form, the mountain just looks a bit unassailable for them. Absolutely. And, and like I said before we uh, come on the podcast, that said to Dan, I don't understand against Liverpool, you know, that Rian Brewster, he's been £24 million on him and he's on the bench. I just I don't understand that. Surely if you need a goal, you need to start winning games again. What way to, you know, we try and kickstart your season by starting your new man against his old club and give him a go and stop bringing him on. I just find that very strange. I don't, I don't understand that. You're 2-0 down, I think it was at the time, and don't bring him on. Very strange. And bring on Billy Sharp. And Billy's <laughs> a great goal scorer, don't get me wrong. But surely you want someone up, up and coming for that money. I just say it's a very strange decision for me. Billy Sharp's good in the championship. I think this whole Premier League, yeah. McBurney, McGoldrick, you know, they're not really Premier League quality. Um, McBurney. That's why he's touching the other Like, why why buy him in the first place? Let him go somewhere else. Like, just a stifling talent, really. McBurney, some of these touches the other night. God, touch of a donkey, some of these touches. (laughs) Jesus. I think um, what I will say with Booster, I think, you know, Sheffield's not in a good place to come straight back with him, Mm. um, providing they don't lose. You know, a couple of decent players. I think Lundstrom might go. Um, and Sander Bird, who's out injured at the minute, he's a very good player, to be honest. Um, but, you know, if they keep hold of him, then they'll probably definitely come up, to be fair. But Brewster could score. We seen with Swansea last season, he scored a good amount of goals. Um, mm. So he could, you know, push them close, to be honest with you, next season. So there's that element. Um, but it hasn't worked for him, has it, in the Premier League this yeah. season, let's be honest. Um, but I do think, like Andrew touched upon, it's a lot down to the style of football they play. Um, although they played good football last year, but because they're struggling so much, it all seems to have changed there for them, which is understandable, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I, do, I, I do think we, we, we said it quite a few times on the pod that uh, they're, they're a certain team that are definitely missing the fans because their fans are very loud, and I think they're definitely missing that at, at home. Mm. Mm, I think John. Uh, I think John Fleck is their best player. I think he goes underrated, but yeah. Uh, most of them, they've got championship players. I mean, even Chris Wilder was saying that in the week that, you know, we can only buy really championship players and uh, this is why we're going to go back to the championship. And yeah, but I mean, to be fair, they had a really good season last year. Mm. So, you know, maybe they'll bounce back quite quickly. Yeah, they've gotten so used to winning under him, under Wilder, that they'd be stupid to sack him. He deserves a chance. Maybe if things go badly in the championship, they're like, I understand, but certainly... You know, he deserves a chance to get them back up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, moving on to Palace, it's quite a nice segue because Dan was mentioning about Brewster and the style of play because that's exactly how I felt about us and our strikers for ages now. I mean, I mean the, the, the Fulham game, I mean, nil-nil, not much more to say about that other than, you know, we were lucky to get a point against third from bottom in the league. I mean, <laughs> need I say more than that? But, I mean, Roy Hodgson talked about in his interview about I mean, Mateta scores scores the first goal against Brighton and then gets dropped immediately after. And the reason was because, you know, he said he admired Benteke did more of the defensive work. And like, and that says everything. That says everything you need to know about him. Like, I've, it's, it's been clear for a very long time that the strikers we have, the actual players, have not been the problem. They've been, but they've been set up in a way that they've they've got no they've got no intent whatsoever of having them score goals. They're not there to score goals. They're there to I don't even know what they're there to do. They're there to they're there to act as secondary centre backs. Like the guy is literally. There's a reason why we look so toothless without Wilfred Zaha. Is because he's the only person who's actually instructed to go and and try and score a goal. No, I don't even know what the rest of them are doing because we're, we're totally out of ideas. But I mean that's that's part of why I didn't come on the pod for so long because I have absolutely nothing new to say about us. Even after the Brighton win, it was just classic smash and grab. 
Like, you know what I mean? That's how we've won all our games this season. I mean, in the second half, at least. First half, we at least were able to thrash some teams like Leeds and West Brom. But since then, it's just, I don't know, we're, we're, we're just, we're, we're not going to go down. We're far too clear of danger when we always manage to pull out as well when we need it. We're just sort of limping over the line until the end of the season at this point. So I wouldn't even bother talking about us. We'll move straight on to Fulham, uh, who I thought were, who I thought were, were good. I mean, the, the problem with them is, they're a bit like, well, they're not quite as bad as Brighton in that sense because they do, I think they've scored more goals, but they reminded me in that game in the sense that they don't, they create a lot of chances, but if you can't put them away, like, you know, you haven't got any hope of staying up really. And against us, we really were asking for it that game. So, I mean, they've got some tough games coming up uh, for the next three games. So they're really going to have to take advantage of their chances, uh, particularly against the teams around them. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I watched the game on Sunday. Uh, I was watching that and listening to the Arsenal game at the same time. And I, quite how it stayed nil-nil. I don't know. Um, Gaeta made some unbelievable saves. And uh, yeah, I mean, Fulham, they've dropped, you know, if they'd have beaten Palace and, and won the last game, they'd probably be out, out of the uh, relegation battle now. But yeah, um, I like Fulham. I think they're a decent side. I think um, I'm a big fan of Harrison Reid. I, I can see him moving to a bigger club. I really like him. He's a really, really good footballer. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Palace, I mean... I just I find it very frustrating, George, watching it because I was like, uh, as, as, as I said, tongue in cheek on Twitter. I've been able to watch this every week because uh, God, it stressed me out. I think, but I mean, not, not even to create any chances. I mean, no shots on target. And I was like, you're playing against Fulham. You're not playing, you know, you're not playing against a Man United or Arsenal or whatever. You're playing Fulham. You were kind of asking for that one, mate. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, you know, Barcelona, Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get there, but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm watching, I'm thinking, are even going to even attempt to get into Fulham? And, uh, you know, it's very frustrating. Well, I, think, I think the James McCarthy substitute for, was it Eze? Said everything you need to know about that game. We had no intention of winning that game whatsoever. Because he knows he can't win a game without Will Zaha. So he's just, he's just buying time until Zaha gets back. And it'll be the same against Man United. Only it won't work because they have far more quality than Fulham do. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah, no, um, very frustrating as a as a not as a neutral watching Palace. I was like, you're playing. Oh, I know home advantage is kind of gone now because there's no fans, obviously. But still, you're playing. I'm playing a team in the bottom three. You know, you should be going for the jugular. You know, you should be. You've got, you've got some decent players. Oh, no. No, 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 not even that. Just like if you want to play counter-attack against Fulham, I completely understand. That's exactly how we beat them at their place. But like you've actually got to try and get the ball forward. You know what I mean? And try and counter-attack. We didn't even do that. We just sort of gave it back to them and said, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. We just want a point anyways. It was, it was a bit that. And, and I think what Hutchinson said after the game was like, well, we didn't get, we kept a clean sheet. Yeah, you kept a clean sheet. We never shot on target either. You know, you to, be, to, be, to be fair, clean sheets have been, even when we defended, the clean sheets have been bloody hard to come by nowadays. So I'm, I'm not surprised he was pleased about that, considering it's like our fourth one of the season. But yeah, I mean, the, the Twitter thing you were talking about, I mean, that was in reference to entertaining the neutrals. Yeah. Like, I don't give, I, I, my, my only point was, I don't give a shit what neutrals oh, do. I, I don't blame you, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not a neutral, and I can't say I was impressed with what I saw. But I mean, there's there's no point complaining about it because he's not going to be sacked. And you know, I I don't I don't think he'll the way everyone's been talking about him. I just can't see him lasting past the end of the season. So all we can really do is just wait until then. I think so. It's coming on that. I think everyone's kind of resigned to that. I heard something, you know, not even Crystal Palace related the other day, and it kind of got brought up, and they literally just said like. I think this is it. At the end of the season, it's time to um, time to move on, really. Um, because you know, you, you talk, I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it. Then, like you were, you know, half decent the first half of the season, and it's almost as if you know, second half you just gone right. That's it. We're safe. So whatever happens from this point on doesn't really matter. Um, and that's. I mean, that's that's what he was brought in to do. Was the thing. So you can't yeah. blame him entirely because that's what he's been told. But the thing is, you know, you look at some other sides, you know, I'm not saying you'd be where West Ham are now, but potentially, you know, they obviously started the season really well. And at quite an early point, they look pretty safe and they've kicked on from there. So, you know, you've got to be left wondering, well, maybe we could have not. I'm not saying you'd be four fight now because that might be too much because West Ham are probably a better side than you are. But yeah, Won't stop be... some fans looking at teams like West Ham and making us. The... I mean, my 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 philosophy is we should be taking every game as it comes. Like when yeah. you when you're playing Fulham at home, it doesn't matter if you're fourth or fourteenth. Like they're there, they are there for the taking, and yeah. you know how to play against them. 
And that that should be your focus is beating Fulham and trying to get the three points. If we spend if we spend the whole season trying to win as many games as we can and see where we end up, then I'm as long you know as long as we don't go down, as long as we're not scraping survival and we're relatively comfortable, then that's fine by me. But that's not what we're doing. We're like you said, we're looking at we're looking at the table and thinking, oh, that's it, we're fine now, and just sort of yeah. taking our foot off the gas. Like why bother? That's that's certainly how it seemed. I think I think you finished above West Ham last season. I'm, I can stand yeah. correct on that, but not that far, not that far above because we tank at the end of the season. But yeah, we did, but yeah. you know you've done it again last season, haven't you? You know you've you've got safe essentially and then fell off a cliff. So the really strange passage. But just to touch on Fulham, I said before we started the call that bizarrely, even though you know they probably end up well, they could end up going down and they are in the relegation zone. You know, out of the teams in the bottom half of the table. Oh. They're, they're probably the best side. Like, they're a decent mm. side, you know. They've got half-decent defence, you know. I quite like them going forward. I like Luckman. I like Madger since he's come in. Loftus-Cheek's very good. I think they're a decent fuzzy side. But, you know, at the end of the day, it might not count for anything because they might get relegated. I think Fulham's biggest issue is um, they needed Mitrovic to step up more because he... Like, when we had him at Newcastle, like, I always thought, this guy, if he gets his head right, he could score loads and loads of goals. But it's not really happened for him. And, uh, like, obviously, he killed the championship, scored so many goals. I think top goal scorer in the league and everything like that. But he's really flattered to deceive. And I think they've been a bit disappointed. with. That's why they went and got Josh Madger, because they can't... I think Mitrovic has got, like, two, three goals this year. I mean... The guy cost 20, 25 million, I think. We we sold him to them for, so really should be doing better. Yeah, okay, well, we'll move on. We'll move on to you then, Johnny. Um, <laughs> we talked about, mentioned Leicester Arsenal before. I was quite, I was very impressed with Arsenal, I won't lie. I thought Leicester would win that game fairly comfortably, just with how, the, how their form of the season, the form of the season's gone so far. But, I mean, it started that way, conceded very early on, but you did well to fight your way back into it, and a 3 1 win in the end. Yeah, it was very good. I mean, apart, from, apart from the Tiedemann's goal, which was dreadful defending, it, kind of, it reminded me of uh, like playing FIFA on amateur, on amateur. Just like you just kind of walked through. And then, yeah. and then uh, yeah, we got back into it, to be fair. Um, a penalty that wasn't a penalty, um, just outside the box. And then David Luiz scores. I've been slagging him off for weeks. He finally scores a goal. And he played, he played well, to be fair, David Luiz. Yeah, it was a good performance. Uh, I think Leicester, they, they've got a lot of injuries. I mean, no, no Madison. I mean, that was a key thing for them. No Madison. And obviously Harvey Barnes went off. Which looked, which looked nasty as well. But yeah, I was quite impressed. I mean, I'm really impressed with Odegaard. He had some nice little touches. Um, it, was, it, it was a big week last week for Arsenal, actually, because if we'd have lost against Leicester and lost against Benfica, I think the, the questions of Arteta would, would have been uh, risen again. But um, we, we come through both of them somehow. Very, very stressful on Thursday, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, we, you know, it's um, things are looking up at the moment. It's still not where we want to be, obviously. But yeah, beat Leicester away is... Um, Good result that. Um, I thought I thought we played really well. Um, one nil up. They kind of sat back and didn't really offer anything really. Yeah. As in, I mean, Jamie Vardy was very quiet. Yeah, they, they didn't offer an awful lot to be honest. And it was a very comfortable win. And the words comfortable win and Arsenal don't often go together. <laughs> it was a stress-free, a stress-free 75 minutes because the first 15 wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, as for Leicester, I mean, for me, it's very clear that the their weakness this season has been their home record. They've lost mm-hmm. a lot of teams at home. Leeds, Fulham, you know, Everton, a lot of teams like that. And you feel like, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily say they're they're faltering quite like they were last season because they have been more consistent than they were last season. But with how tight that race for top four is, like, there's every chance they could slip out. And if they do slip out, like, that's got to be their next, this this has to be their next step up in my opinion because they have to try and solidify their place in the top four now that they've shown that they can push there. They have to actually get it. And if they don't, then, you know, I not this, don't necessarily think Rodgers should be sacked. I think that's a bit of a bit of a knee jerk. But, you know, they, I think their expectations are definitely being raised a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, mean, um, I think if they don't finish in the top four, they'll be disappointed. But, you know, they've got to hope that Harvey Barnes' injury isn't too bad. And uh, hopefully Madison's back soon. Because I think they've got a very good squad, Leicester. You know, their, their first 11 is, is a very, very good squad. But they haven't got a great bench. You know, you can't replace a player like Madison. You know, as good as some of the players are, you know, you it's like that Shelby's okay, but he's not. He's not Madison. You know, same as that, um, like James Justin. I'm a big fan of him. He was injured, and they brought that. Who the player was? He got booked straight away, like in ten minutes. And you know, they, they got a very good squad, as I say. But I think for them to go to that next level, they do need to um, get a, a bigger in depth of team. I think. 
interesting one, Leicester. So if they don't make top four this season, having, you know, again, I'll stand correct on this, but they've been in the top four for a large period of this season. Mm-hmm. You know, having fell out like they did last year, you know, you're right in terms of not sacking Rodgers because, you know, Leicester aren't, you know, historically a banker top four sides, far from it. So, you know, not getting top four isn't exactly a disaster. But in the positions they've been in two years running, to then not get it is pretty poor. Mm. And obviously they got knocked out of the Europa League last week as well. So it was a pretty poor week as well. The only thing I'd say that that could hurt Leicester potentially, you know, if they don't make top four, because the signs are there that they, they might fall off a cliff again and they might not make it. Mm. Um, especially like George touched upon with like, you know, teams hopefully such as Liverpool and Chelsea hitting form and potentially taking them out of there, is some of the players, the lads that are injured in particular, might warrant Champions League football at some point, like maybe next season. So there could be some teams sniffing around them, like Tielemans and Madison and Barnes especially. I think Barnes is brilliant. So they might have a problem there as opposed to sacking Rodgers. They might lose some players. I think so. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I mean... Matt, I mean, Tillemans as well, like him. Let's say James Justin, I think, you know, if they don't get Champions League, I think he could, he could go somewhere. They've got, a very, they've got a very good squad. Well, first squad anyway, but let's say bench isn't great. That's the problem for Leicester, I think. I think I think Leicester have done overachieved so far. Like, you know, whilst we say, yeah, they've spent money and stuff, they did sell Chilwell for £60 million, didn't they? So, and the season before, they sold Maguire for £80 million. <laughs> they're probably used to losing their best player now so probably I think when I watch Leicester I realise now that probably James Madison is their most important player not Jamie Vardy yeah so when James Madison's not playing or not playing well they don't work as well it's not as fluid and um, yeah I think he is someone who probably if say Leicester were to push you know and were to fall out they probably I agree he for me, he would be the one to go for. Mm. You know, I know a lot of people talk about Grealish, but I would say Madison is not far behind Grealish. So, but yeah, I think he's he he has overachieved with that squad to get them up. But like because it's happened to the second year, is it Brendan Rodgers can't see it over the line like in 2013? Don't say that. <laughs> 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 I have to throw that in. <laughs> Oh, I see that I can't. You've won the league now. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers can't see it over the line. That oh. sentence should not have been allowed. Oh, that's that ball about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. Uh, well, that just leaves you then, Andrew. And, I mean, aside from Palace, they're probably the most uneventful of the bunch. Newcastle won, Wolves won. I mean, any insight... Well, at least we had New- goals. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, any insight from you that we we can't really glean from the surface? Um, I actually think that Wolves team was not very good and they were there for the taking. Um, we should really have won that game. Um, Wolves, I mean, this season when I've watched them, I haven't been that impressed by them as a team. But, like, and I think... With us, we basically were playing really well, and then Almiron and St. Maxim got injured, and then we lost the momentum because they are hard, you know, with Wilson, they're our best players. So now we're without all three of them till the end of April, so till April. So it's going to be difficult. Um, Steve Bruce, you know, there was this substitute confusion where supposedly Matt Ritchie didn't give instructions, and that, that led to out play, players out of position, and that led to the goal, which again is just like, why are people talking about? Why has that come out? I mean, Steve Bruce just looks like a bit of an idiot at the moment. Everything he says, just you know, like he was laughing when he was leaving the pitch with Oliver Soyskar, and then he said, "Well, the reason we were laughing was Oliver Soyskar was." telling me how well we played. I was like, no, he didn't. We, we didn't play that well. Like, just stop. Like, he's, everything he's saying is becoming a bit like uh, a comedy. Um, he should really have been sacked. Um, Cashley has not learned anything from Steve McLaren that year in 2016, because it's exactly the same kind of poor tactics, dropping points here, here and then not doing well, not getting the best out of the players. So, yeah, I think 
He's going to stay now. Mike actually literally don't think he cares at the moment. He's probably more worried about the high street if he's going to come back after COVID. Um, so <laughs> he's like, we just have to wait. And, you know, I I was really hoping Joe Linton would get injured, but unfortunately he's available. So, like, nothing we can do there. We just have to see, like, hopefully Ryan Fraser can turn up and do something with these players out, but I really doubt it. It's gonna. Be, but we're playing West Brom next. I mean, huge game against West Brom. So, mm. you know, or away. It's away. Okay. Yeah, but you know, I think he'll play Joe Linton, and really, he should play Gale or Carroll. But you know, all three of them are not really good enough for the Premier League. So, gonna be very tight. But mm. you never know. You, yeah, you've got to hope. That, you know. <laughs> sounds so forlorn there (laughs) i I just don't trust you ruth i just like i can't leave it's it's he's the things he was saying like when we were 12 13 so he's still saying the same that when everybody could see we were going downwards except for chris sutton robbie savage all these pundits who never watched newcastle and say oh yeah he's a great manager look what he's done he's done terrible at Villa, done terrible at Sunderland. Yeah, he's a great manager. Um, you know, I just think he's completely out of his depth and he's just waiting to be sacked. But we know they won't sack him, well, you know. And Mike Ashley will have a third relegation on his CV. He won't care. I um, I think Newcastle are in all kinds of trouble, to be mm. honest. Um, with these injuries they've picked up today, you know, I think it's been confirmed today. Like, mm. that's, that's their three best players out that. <laughs> and and let's be brutally honest, you know, they're decent players. I quite like Sam Maximum, and I quite like Almiron as well, actually. And Callum Wilson scores goals. You know, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's a fantastic footballer, but he does score goals. So, like that team without them three is a relegation team. Like if you hadn't had them three all season, you're probably bottom of the league. You know, um, well we haven't had Sam Maximum for most of the season. So yeah, have... but that hurt you, didn't it? At the time, yeah. that that's what dragged you into this. You know. I am, um, and with Fulham, like I told you, with Fulham playing quite well all of a sudden, and not necessarily picking up the points that they should, but but looking a lot better. I, I really fear for Newcastle. Well, they are picking know? up points as well, though. I mean, they won at Everton. They beat yeah. who was it at home? I forget, but they they are stringing results together. A little bit, but I think they the last two results have been draws in games they probably could have won. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, yeah. That that's what I was. But you're right in terms of the Everton result. I thought they were brilliant that night. I really did. Um, and like I said, I think they drew with United, obviously the draw with Palace. They probably, in hindsight, could have gone and won them games. So, but yeah, in terms of Newcastle, God, I I don't see where the next result's coming from. And I actually just to touch on something Andrew said, I thought they were okay against Man United. I thought they probably deserved something from the game. No. Um, I, I wasn't on. I haven't been on since. But you know that Swan Lake dive for Marcus Rashford was something, wasn't it? Mm. Um, on, I must say, for me, Sir Maxim should be playing for a top six team. He's yeah, too player. good for Newcastle. He goes past people like they're not there. He's he's injury prone and he had just long COVID and stuff, but he should be playing for a top six team. Um, he's only 24. Um, you know, if I was one of those, like for me, he should be. Maybe there's an attitude problem there and stuff where why maybe some of the top clubs haven't touched him, but for me he's that good. Like if you could get your, he reminds me so much of like uh, Ben Arthur. He used to go past people like no tomorrow and s- score great goals and like so Maxim should be should be playing much higher level. And I know he won't be there next season. He's too good to to, to stay with us. Yeah, the only thing is, just is he on it all the time because. I've seen him be brilliant, but I just think, well, you know, you're obviously better than, than these people. But I don't know, if, does he do it like often? He, he should be, he reminds me of an Arsenal player, to be honest. He's got that sort of thing about him. But, like, I just don't know. I don't, he mustn't do it week in, week out. That must be his problem. I, I, I think for me, he was on it last year. He was brilliant last year. This year he's been injury interrupted. Every time he comes back, he plays two games and gets an injury. But he he cuts in, goes past people. I know, like, and if he had better players supplying him, he would just kill it. Like he would. He's just. I think this year has just been injury prone. But yeah, I I, I mean, 
you know, for me, I can't believe we only got him for 20 million. Like when Joe Linson's 40 million, <laughs> it's just. That's not you know, a good barrier for you, if anything. Yeah, that's yeah. Not a barrier. <laughs> a barrier for everything at the moment. Is, uh, Joe Linson is 40 million. Yeah, why does. I mean, he should be playing at a top six club and he has so much natural talent. Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> well, Zaha did have his chance, but fucked it up. <laughs> Moy, David Moyes fucked him over, you mean. Anyways, as as for Newcastle, yeah, I mean, I, I echo a lot of what Dan said. I mean, with the t- former teams at the bottom, with Newcastle, you know, in 17th as well, hovering just above it, I really do fear for them. And one, one other team as well, I think, are really getting sucked into that relegation fight, who I'm fearful for, is Southampton. I think that 9-0 since, against Man United, they really, has really destroyed their season. I don't think they've won a game since. They've lost like five of the last six games or something ridiculous. You know, to some teams around them as well, the likes of Newcastle. So, I mean, they're in real... It's, it reminds me a bit of us in the season before Pardew was sacked, the season we got to the cup final, where we had that amazing start to the season. We were fifth at Christmas or something ridiculous like that. And then we literally won about two games for the rest of the season and finished, got into, sucked into a relegation battle and finished 15th. I mean, it reminds me a lot of that. So I'm not necessarily saying, from what I've seen from Southampton fans, it's the board they have a problem with more than Hassan Hootel because, you know, he's he hasn't had that much backing and is still, he's been able to push up at that upper echelon, however however brief. But, I mean, they are, they've probably got enough to stay up, but I don't think they're safe on their current points tally. So they need to get at least a couple more wins, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a couple of teams. You've got, if you've got, you've got Southampton, Burnley, Brighton, they're all they're all kind of there or thereabouts. Um, Burnley battered us. I mean, I'm not worried about them. Dyche always gets the results when he needs to. But um, Brighton and Southampton in particular, yeah. Unfortunately, if it's all if buts and maybes, if Fulham would have beaten beaten Palace on Sunday and beaten Sheffield United, then I think there are definitely Southampton, Burnley. Even, I mean, there's, there's some teams there that are really... You know, if they don't back up their ideas, they're going to be sucked in. I think Newcastle at the moment, they are, they're sleepwalking down into a relegation battle, I think. I think with Burnley, you know, they're making Gareth Bale look like the 2013 Gareth Bale, then, yeah, they really should should be wary because uh, they were pretty awful against Spurs. Oh, they, were, they were terrible. Let me say that. Um, they were terrible. They were, but they have, that's the thing with Burnley, they have the odd couple of games where they don't do that well and then they win about mm. three or four in a row. So, particularly against the teams around them. Like, like I said, they 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 destroyed us. They beat they beat Villa. I think they beat Fulham as well. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. I, I get what you mean. There's definitely room for there, there's 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 no breathing room for them just yet. But I I back them to stay up personally. Yeah. Supposedly Burnley's takeover is not as good. They don't actually have as much money as. Well, it's they a bit said. like the Glazers, isn't it? They put them in like eighty million pounds of mm. debt or something like that. It's so. funny the Premier League approved that deal but they don't yeah funny the that other, yeah the other deals really really interesting yeah well celebrating arsenal get, getting above spurs for 12 and a half minutes we're above them 12 and a half minutes and they scored in the first minute didn't they well yeah, yeah. Why, why on earth were you getting carried away before that game even played like you knew they were playing and were playing burnley like surely at least wait until the game's finished you know, you know pull me pull me third side and then before I even finished pouring they won it up i was like oh that's great then isn't it yeah it didn't last long you play them in a couple of weeks anyway, so you'll get your chance. Oh. Presuming you don't lose again, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll we'll move on because we've gone over the games a lot now. We'll move on to our discussion of the week, and it's fair to say all of us have been lamenting the punditry in in Britain for a long time, particularly this this weekend. I mean, you look at the the Jamie Redknapp Roy Keane argument. You look at all of the people on BT Sport, God, I can't remember most of their names, you know, Robbie Savage and the like. The commentators on the Palace Fulham game I thought were pretty poor. Like and Johnny brought up the point where is there is there too much bias in favour of their own clubs? Because obviously all of them are ex pros, all of them have their own teams. And we've made this conversation earlier in the season with people like with people like Roy, Roy Keane, Annie and Wright and people like that. So Johnny, you you brought it up. I want to I'm interested to know what you think. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mind a little bit of bias, you know. I don't, I don't mind that. Like Ian Wright's very biased about Arsenal, and you know, he, he loves Palace as well. But then you know, that's all well and good. And fans like he's a bit more on and off with Palace. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. As an Arsenal fan, I, I, you know, I quite like him. He's passionate about Arsenal. But at the same time, when Arsenal play badly, it'll be it'll be the first to admit we play badly. Um, but it's just, it just appears that some pundits they're just they're so I mean, like Roy Keane's a prime example. He doesn't like Liverpool. I think he, 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 you know Liverpool could win twenty seven nil, and he still finds something to slag him off about. And then, <laughs> The same with Graham Sunez, he doesn't like Man United. And that's, I just think, it, it, for me, on Sunday with Redknapp and Keane, it, it was just a bit cringy. It was like, it was, like, it was two, like, it was like two drunk blokes arguing in a pub. It was, it was like, you two are on TV, you're being paid. 
all right, fine. If that's your ex, if that's your ex team or whatever, that's fine. But it's just a bit, a little bit childish, I think some of it. And as to Redknapp against Burnley, I think every ten minutes it was like, and we're going to go down to Jamie Redknapp. Why? 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 I don't understand. Why are you talking to him for? It's just very bizarre. Yeah, some of the punditries just—it's not great. I must admit. Um, yeah. I, I suppose the question to ask here really is. With the biases that we know are present, how much is too much? Like, what's the balance between actually being a pundit that tells you, gives you insight into the game and tells you what's going on, and actually having that little bit of football banter between teams and poking fun at each other for no reason? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think, I think if, if working was allowed, I think he'd have a T-shirt saying, I hate Liverpool on it. I think he, if, if he could, I think he would. Well, I think he'd have a lot worse than that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a fine line. And as I say, at the end of the I just think some of it, and, and somebody was kind of the, I was like, Joe, I've had enough of this. I, I think I turned the sound down. So I think, Joe, what? I just find it a bit boring. And working his comments about um, Liverpool uh, against Sheffield United, I just found it very odd. Like, saying about if you don't if they don't beat Sheffield United, they should all retire. It's like, what? What are, what are you even talking about? And just some of the rubbish that he comes out with. And a lot of pundits do. But I'm sure Dan will have a lot to say about working as well. But, yeah, it's just something that's... Uh, Goes a little bit too far, I think. And anyway, it's just their opinions. You know I mean, and I think some of them think just because they're ex-players and for a certain team, they why? And it's like, well, just because you're being paid for it doesn't mean your opinion's gospel. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting one with the bias. We all know who these people are, so we expect a little bit of bias. I do think they go over the top sometimes. Um, I will say, like people probably call Jamie Carragher out for being biased, but it's a really interesting. Um, sort of not agenda but sort of you know feeling among global fans that he's going against that like on purpose a lot recently um calling liverpool out for certain aspects of the game like he said something the other day about van dyke you know he's fed up of hearing about it he's sick of hearing about it but you know when something explains like why we're so poor then that's what it is he's almost doing it on purpose to reverse that if that makes sense mm. but as for um as for Roy Keane, uh that's not what I want to watch. Like, if I wanted to watch fellas shouting at each other, and this is no, you know, no dig at them, I'd watch Arsenal fan TV. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd, I tune in. I want to hear, like, you know, actual insight, not just people screaming at each other. Like, Roy Keane was just shouting the word Doherty at the top of his voice on Sky Sports. Like, what's that? That's not, that's not helpful for anyone. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a little bit, a little bit tired of him. I think, yeah. you know, he got some early fame in terms of everyone liked him being a little bit prickly and a little bit, you know, argumentative, but it's gone too far now. And with his, you know, with his haggard looking beard, it's just got a little bit, a little bit farther Ted, if I'm honest, you know, in terms of just him, just shouting at the top of his voice, whatever he feels like shouting at people, shouting people down. That's not, that's not punditry that that's just a man being quite aggressive to people. Um, which isn't great, you know? Uh, but it's Jamie Redknapp, he deserves that. <laughs> yeah, uh, in fairness to Jamie Redknapp, he was trying to have like a bit of a conversation. He got a little bit prickly himself because he was being shouted at. But, yeah. you know, mm. it's all well and good having a debate, but, you know, he's just sat there just shouting at people. And I know Graham soon has had his moments in the past because he's quite an aggressive person as well, but I've never, I've not seen anything like that before, what I've seen the weekend. And I just think that was a bit of a tipping point for me. Like, you know, we all tune in to Sky Sports and BT Sport because we want a bit more intellect. Whereas if you want your you, shouting and your you're opinionated stuff, you can go and watch fan TV because you get your bias there, you know. Mm. I think that, that there's a fine line and we seem to be crossing over now into, you know, fan Sky Sports, if you like. Um, and I'm not sure it's the way to go, to be honest. Oh, fans are Sky Sports. I should bring the fan zone back. Anyone else oh, miss that? Oh, how great was fan zone. I am, believe it or not, I am old enough to remember fan zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Roy Keane's point about Spurs was true, though. He was just saying that basically, except Kane and Son, who else there in that team now is really that great? Yeah, I he think, lost all credibility, though, didn't he? Because of the way he was putting it across. He was putting it across, yeah. Because Jamie Redknapp just kept saying, oh, but they're internationals. I'm like, Martin Kelly is an international. Like, well, <laughs> lots of people have represented their country. Like, it's not... It doesn't make you a great player. Like, for me, especially in the Premier League, where majority of the players are, are internationals. So, 
Um, I can see what he was trying to say, but he didn't communicate it the best. Um, for me, generally, I think with the pundits, the, uh, like you said, they all have their own agendas and they basically want to say. And the, the, I think people expect a bit of bias with them. But I'll be honest, I think Carragher has been a bit refreshing in that he has criticised aspects of Liverpool, yeah. which is, you know... And I think Gary Neville does the same with Man United. Oh, I like Gary Neville. Yeah. yeah. I think Shearer is so used to Newcastle being crap, so he's always criticising Newcastle. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Um, I've got to say, I don't like Ian Wright as a pundit. Well, you know, I, I, I like Ian Wright. You know I mean, of course, I'm not saying I'm an Arsenal fan. I wonder, I wonder why. <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think Ian Wright, yeah, this is what happens. Pepe has a good game. Pepe is such a great player. Pepe is fantastic. Pepe is brilliant. Pepe has a bad game. Oh, he should never wear his shirt again. <laughs> that's, that's Ian Wright. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Alan Shearer, um, Andrew? Um, I think at the beginning when he started punditry, he was really bad. But he's improved. His knowledge has improved. He clearly knows a lot. He, at the end of the day as well, like I said this, when Thierry Omri was the pundit, I can listen to Thierry Omri because I like when I was a kid, that's who I wanted. Like after Shira, I wanted to play like Thierry Omri, so I'd always listen. And Alan Shira is the Premier League top goal scorer. You know, there's not much. I think listening to maybe someone like Jermaine Genus, like he's our Newcastle view. Like I find it hard to listen when I'm like, you hardly run around when you played for Newcastle, and he's like, oh, they players should care for the not. You you didn't do that when you played for us. So yeah, I think it. For me, I, I watch quite a bit of BN Sports, and when they had Jose Mourinho on, he was the best pundit. Oh, Jose um, Mourinho was a great pundit. They I have Arsene Wenger quite a lot as well, don't Arsene they? Wenger, yeah, Arsene Wenger's a Wenger's brilliant top. pundit. Though yeah. so you are a bit like, mm, maybe you should have concentrated on defence at Arsenal for the last 10 years, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> he yeah. talks really well, he talks really well. He talks he? really Cap- well. Captain Hindsight, you could label him. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't see it, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, I think... Like, I am jealous in Italy. They have, like, Capello is, like, a pundit in Italy. Like, that is the type of calibre pundits you really want. It's such a shame Sir Alex Ferguson never wanted to do punditry because it would be interesting to see what he thought as well. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know what? Like, listen, take nothing away from him as a manager. I just think the impression I got from him as a person, like, he probably know, he obviously knows a lot about the game, but I get... Probably a milder version of Roy Keane vibes from that. Yeah. Like, I just think a little bit too shouty and a little bit too, like, my opinion's the only one that counts sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't think, honestly don't think I've ever seen Roy Keane take anything on board. No, no. You know, and that's a serious problem. Because you see, like, you talk, touch on um, Neville and Carragher, they'll have these Monday night debates and they'll disagree and they'll actually have conversations that isn't possible with Roy Keane. You can't mm. have a conversation with that. And that's a problem in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> we kept shouting Doherty. I was like, what are you talking about? What's that about? Like... Yeah, I know, it was funny. But yeah. I don't, I, I don't think Mick and Richard's knowledge is that great, but his laugh and his energy is very good. I've got to say, it's easy to watch. Yeah, but, that, that, yeah, but like, you could put a Labrador on and you could get, you know what I mean? You could get energy constantly. from a Labrador, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, like, but... You know, I get where you're coming from, and I, I quite like Micah Richards. I just think they're going down a, a dangerous line with this. And you, you, the point you make about other countries is a really good one, and other networks, because some of the punditry you see and you hear, and you think, God, that's brilliant. Like, you know, you've really mm-hmm. nailed down on something there. But it doesn't tend to come mm-hmm. from, you know, Super Sunday. It comes from mm-hmm. Italy or Germany or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a dangerous path we're leading down in, in this country, mm-hmm. in my opinion. To be honest, with ESPN, they have two like journalists who are pundits, Gab Marcotti and Julian Laurent. Julian Laurent, yeah. And they are brilliant. I could listen yeah. to them talk. They have such insight. And even tactically, they've started to learn about tactics so that you can give information and so forth. And even though they've not played the game at a professional level, I do find them a lot better than a lot of the ex-pros. Like, I would much prefer to listen to them, their input. 
Yeah, my, my personal favourite bit of punditry slash ta- tactical analysis in history was, I think it was over in Sweden, uh, was, I think it was a Palace-Newcastle game a few years ago, where um, the, the pundits analysed uh, the stewards ta- taking down taking down a pitch invader um, at half-time. Yeah. Like, they analysed, like, they had him, like, the little arrows of the movement showing which way he was going and all that. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, who's your favourite pundit? I mean, I, cause I, I mean, I really like, um, I really like Alex Scott. I think she's superb. I, think I like Alex Scott. Yeah, I, think I heard some people say that she doesn't give that much insight that you wouldn't get from just watching the game. Like she kind of just states the obvious, which I'm not entirely sure I agree with. But I suppose that's another debate about how much specific insight do you want from pundits? Like how much extra information do you want from them? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, Jermaine Genus, he's, I do like him. He comes across as a really nice bloke, Jermaine Genus. But um, he does talk a lot of rubbish, I must admit. Maybe, maybe I'm saying he's just experts, maybe. But, uh, sure. And same as Hasselbank on Sunday. I just, I don't know, I'm not a fan of him as a pundit, to be honest. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do like Gary Neville. It pains me to say, I do, it's between Neville and Carragher. I think what they do is quite a few levels above everyone else at the minute, to be honest. They've got quite a good, good, good dynamic, haven't they, as well? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll move on to the Let's All Laugh at. There's been quite a selection from this week, uh, in my opinion, there has, anyways. We'll start, we'll start with you then, Dan, as the newcomer. Well, returning <laughs> newcomer, I should say. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Old ground. Uh, Lee Mason. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, right, there's two there's two strings to this. So, I mean, there's the incident, isn't there? Let's be honest. Like, the, without wanting to go too deep into the officials' conversation, because God knows we've all been there. <laughs> but that incident is, is awful, isn't it? Like, it's embarrassing. It's terrible. It's every... It's, the epitome of what's gone wrong this season in terms of, you know, officiating. But the actual funny part, although it might not be that funny if it's true, but I'm going to say it, is he's uh, is he missed the next day having picked up an injury. And yeah, I noticed that. It's very, yeah, very suspicious. Yeah, he's picked up a calf injury during the game, mm. despite finishing the game. Um, mm. And he's also not available this weekend because of the same calf injury. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think the incident and his, you know, curious calf injury would go into the hat for me. Yeah, sounds like a Coutinho back injury or it a does, Ozil it? back yeah. injury. Yeah. <laughs> Ozil illness. Yeah, very dodgy. <laughs> I mean, it was just awful. I mean, I was just blow whistle and blow it again. It's like, what are you doing? And he lost, he lost, he lost, he lost it. I don't know what he, what he was, what he was doing, Lee Mason. He's panicked, hasn't he? He just panicked. He's looked up, seen the keeper stood in his post, and thought. Oh no, I've I've really messed up here, and he's tried to save the day by blowing the whistle again, and it's just escalated, and it's just. But you know what? What's it? I can't remember his name now. Wolves manager Nuno Espirito Santo. He got fined twenty five thousand pounds for saying Lee Mason wasn't good enough to ref in the Premier League. I really hope he's kept the receipt because I'd be putting it back into the FA and claiming that money back. Yeah. Because he was right, wasn't he? Like he's not good enough, you know. Bang it's awful, awful. I mean, not, not for George so much, is it? You know, it happened to Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I thought that he blew the whistle twice because he'd sort of seen something in the build-up and was stopping it. Like, I didn't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I genuinely haven't, didn't have a clue what the hell was going on. Like, I don't think anyone did at the time, apart from, apart from the referee. I mean, you can even argue if he didn't. But, I mean, that's, that's not the sort of standard officiating I want to see. Like, I want... I mean, to be fair, I mean, Brighton also did miss two penalties in the same game, so you yeah. can't say that they yeah. deserve to win. But equally, like, you don't want to see results like that happening because of refereeing decisions, because it can affect teams' whole seasons. Like, what if, well, it was Brighton then, but what if it's Palace the next week? Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want anything that can hurt us to hurt them, like, because then that's just not a fair game. We're reaching a serious climax, you know, in terms of referees in this country, in my opinion. Like, it's getting talked about time and time again and VAR just highlighting it like I don't know you know I've, all, I've thought about this before could we not get referees from different countries we buy players from different countries yeah. so can't you just pick the best referees from over the, over Europe like and just get them I in it's because... arrogance isn't it it's arrogance like you know we were fuming about not having a, a referee at the World Cup or whatever it was it's pretty obvious to see why now looking at it I mean it's Awful. yeah yeah anyway, I mean, that's yeah, nice as well. I mean, I, saw it, I think I saw it on Twitter as well. Um, I think it was an Australian game at the weekend. Yeah. They, um, there was an offside or something like that, and you, you could hear what the referee's saying in the VAR. It was very clear. You know, what, I'll start saying why we can't have it over here. If we can actually hear what they're saying, it make it make make it make sense. But you know, some, it's just it's just awful. We just best league in the world, and we just 
Because it'll be Lee Mason saying, I'm not quite sure of the rules here. (laughs) (laughs) My calves hurting now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what about you then, Andrew? What have you got? Um, Mine is the um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic comments where basically he basically said about LeBron James, who's like the most famous basketball player in the world, said, oh, LeBron James should stick to talking about... um, basketball and shouldn't really talk about politics or any or racism or whatever and then LeBron James said oh it's interesting because I did research about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and he talked about racism in Sweden in 2018 so why is he picking on me and I know what I'm talking about so it's just made Zlatan look really hypocritical yeah uh, it's not a good look for him at all is it especially LeBron James of all people like (laughs) like you know, fact about LeBron James, he has a small percentage ownership in Liverpool. Um, he does. Did you yeah, know that, Dan? Yeah, he does. Kylian Mbappe, 2021, remember it. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> he, bought, he bought, I think he got them with one of his deals, some shares with FSG. And, um, yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, it was pre-Liverpool winning the league and the Champions League, so I'm sure his, you know, his shares gone, like his percentage, he must have made quite a bit of money now. So it's good investment. That is where a lot of the Mbappe rumours come from, to be honest with you, because them two are really close and they've got all sorts of endorsements mm. together. So a lot of the Mbappe talk comes from the LeBron James link. So, you know, you never know. You never know. The but- other one, the other story I had, I don't know if you saw this story, that basically when Erling Haaland was moving to RB Salzburg from Mulder, he basically, man, you were interested in buying him at the time. And the agent said oh is the meeting in Norwegian time or British time and he he wrote down the wrong time so he missed the meeting the Manu delegates missed the meeting with the agent and he signed for RB Salzburg later that day because they missed so <laughs> well, can you imagine those. they would have well, gone for three, three million pounds at the time well, that's that's peak Man United, isn't it? Really, it's it's like the who's the player that went to Brighton? I forget his name, but like the Colombian wonder kid, like the best player in the whole South America, apparently. Oh, Casido, Moses. Casido, that's him. Yeah, United were port- portly in for him about six, seven million or whatever. It was Brighton paid for him, and they just didn't buy. They just didn't pay it for whatever reason. Like, I mean, imagine he goes on and smashes it for them. And I mean, who knows? There's a lot of young Brighton players that have come through and you know mm. not featured that much, so you never know. But I mean, there's every chance he might as well. So, I mean, that's that seems to be a habit with United lately. Yeah, but Erling Haaland, I mean, you, any two, whoever gets him instantly is going to become, like, I think would have a very good chance at title challenges. Yeah. You know. Haaland 2021, Liverpool, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think let both, let both future Ballon d'Or winners in there. I think there, he's nailed on sure. for City. I think he's the Aguero replacement. It's a bit worrying because City at the moment are doing so well without a striker. Can you imagine them with the most potent striker, probably with Lewandowski in the world? <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to you, Johnny. What have you gone for? Um, for me, that have been an awful lot. But for Sunday, it was, it was one that made me laugh and chuckle. Was um, was Solskjaer's comments about VAR and stuff, <laughs> and they're going to get penalties. <laughs> Last season, you've had more penalties since the start of last season than anybody else in, in Europe, you know. And it was just some of his comments and like on the Chelsea website or something like that, wherever it was. It was just like, <laughs> oh, a, little bit, a little bit hypocritical. And it was just like, I mean, it was. It, I think it was a penalty. If it was against Arsenal, I'd be going, that's a penalty. But and, and if the referee said, if the referee said I can't give back, it's too controversial. Uh, that's funny. If he said that, that is funny. Um, They've backtracked on that, haven't they now? Yeah. Yeah, and another thing that made me laugh is, uh, is, is of course, Neymar. He's going to miss another game because it's, it's his sister's birthday. Ten, 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 oh. ten in a row. <laughs> it's unbelievable that. I, I think he'd get away with that. You, know I mean? you should just have it in his contract. It, it's got to be in his contract. It's got to be. <laughs> he needs to stop getting suspended and pretending he's injured. Just just say, look, look I need this time to spend with my sister, please. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody will convince me that's not written into his contract. It's too, <laughs> too weird, like. There's no way. Yeah, no way. Yeah, like, this is a te- this is a tenth year in a row or something. It's not like, mm. not tenth. It's not, it's not, it's not like that though. Every year, it's like yeah, I'm not I'm not about not about on the phone for March. Oh, what was that? Well
Yeah, did, did you see what Neymar said? He said basically he never wanted to play in the Premier League because it's too physical. <laughs> I was just like, why? You're a man. Why would you say that? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, did anyone, did anyone else find it kind of ironic that Neymar, of all people, is saying that it's too physical in the Premier League? I mean, I, th- I think we know what he really means. but <laughs> Well, for him, though, it would be, wouldn't it? You know, he, he doesn't like that, does he? He doesn't like any of that. He'll be down every... Well, that's, that's, exa- that's exactly it. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly my point. He'd be down literally every 10 seconds, wouldn't he? And it... It is quite a physical league. I think Timo Werner said something similar, hasn't he? You know, with his struggles. But Neymar, Jesus Christ, he'd never be up, would he? He'd be um, really bad. <laughs> oh, but as yeah. for Solskjaer, just to touch on Johnny's, like, I found that really cringy and a little bit weird, the way he was talking, like laughing and like almost trying to make out he was joking, but being a bit psychotic, it freaked me out a little bit, to be honest with you. But... I mean, to suggest that United have been hard done by by penalties is is something else. Yeah. And and also, I just want to very quickly say, do you think that was a penalty, Johnny? Yeah. I I, th- I tell you what, kind of things, right? If if it was against Arsenal and I was talking about a penalty, I'd go, it's a penalty. If it's against Arsenal and it's say if it was Gabriel Ambal in it, I'd say no. So it's it's one of them. I think it could have been. It's one of them. By uh, the laws, by the laws of the game and what we've seen this season, it probably is. But I will say. If football, you know, if football's giving them as penalties, like, we're in trouble. Because yeah. they're both going away from the goal, you know, it's on the edge of the 18-yard box. Nobody's scoring in that situation. Like, to give someone a free shot from 12 yards for that, yeah. just like, seems a little yeah. bit, bit too yeah. far for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it's one of them. It's, as I say, if it was four Arsenal to get a penalty, I'd be like, that's a penalty every day of the week. Because it yeah. Like, yeah. Well, not a chance. So it's, it's one of them. I, I don't know. It was a, it was a pretty poor, poor game, to be fair. Yeah. Talking about like a, an emotional footballer reaction, they I think Gabriel Palista, you know the one who used to play for Arsenal, oh, that's great Valencia. Point. Yeah, the the interviewer said, oh like um, you know at the moment you're closer to relegation than the Champions League spot, and he just burst out crying. Like I just found that very emo- emotional. Like well, another one that's to come to mind. Um, it's, it was first night Arsenal versus Benfica. Uh, it's one of the Benfica players. He dived in front of Q and Tierney, and uh, Q and Tierney said a few expletives to him. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. It's quite funny. I won't repeat it, but yeah, it's just it's quite. Funny. Although Q and Tierney did go down very pathetically um, <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, I mean, it was pathetic. And I think, come on, Q, you made a, you made a granite. You, you know, come on, it was bad. that was pathetic. This, yeah. Everybody dies. All the players, all the, even yeah. the English, Scottish, French, whoever, they all die. We need to like this. I think the stereotype that like. Oh, English players don't dive, and you know it's all horror. And it's not okay. true. Okay. It's, only, it's, it's really only the pundits that believe that. Let's be honest. Like yeah. most of the fans of like, like no. Rooney dived, Gerard dived, all of them have dived. Oh, Mary Kane doesn't dive. He's very clever. Yeah. It's getting Harry, worse, yeah. though, isn't it? It's getting much worse, in my opinion. Like, and yeah. the problem is, go back to it again. Is refs keep giving it? So until mm. they stop giving it, it's going to carry on, isn't it? It's one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> doing my job for me. <laughs> well, uh, my lots all laugh at is actually, it's not technically one from this week. I mean, it, it's a clip that's circulated this week, but from it, it's supposed, it's supposedly from a little while back. I don't know if you've seen this one, Dan. It involves the Liverpool Brighton game a few a few weeks back. Um, there's a there's a guy watching it with a Liverpool shirt on in front of the TV, and as soon as Brighton scores their goal, he takes his shirt off and he's got a Brighton shirt on underneath. Oh. Like, and I'm not sure if it was a Brighton fan or a Liverpool fan or just a random bloke taking the piss, but I just thought that was both extremely funny and extremely cringy. I haven't seen that, though. It's probably Robbie Keane, because every club he joined in his career was his boyhood <laughs> club. Liverpool, he did look a little bit like him, club, club, Celtic, yeah. Spurs, West Ham. Aston Villa, wasn't it? Yeah, Villa. Yeah, Villa. He did Villa, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah he went like... to a LA Galaxy as well, didn't he, Robbie yeah. Keane? In, in Milan, can you go there as well? I'll tell you what, he had a good career, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. More, more clubs and bloody Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's mm. like, um, was it? I remember Sergei Rebrov signed for West Ham in the Championship, like Ukrainian striker. And he said that when he was little in Kiev, that like, he used to follow West Ham's results. I was like, Come on, everyone says off. that. It's like, it's my dream to play for whoever. It's like, no, it wasn't. Like, <laughs> Sorry, shut up. Just reminded me, just reminded me of. Like my favourite, let's all laugh at, and I completely forgot because it only happened a couple of hours ago. Dominic Carvert Lewin today has said he wants to get Everton to the Champions League because that's where they belong. 
they've played they've played four Champions League games in their entire history and they're all in the qualifying stages and that's where they belong. I mean like if that was an Arsenal player, like so obviously big up Arsenal you'd understand because they've had a lot of history, but Everton, is he is he alright? <laughs> Everton were very like unlucky with the whole European ban, weren't they, at the time? Well, they weren't that they weren't that great in the eighties. People 80s, tend to yeah. overhype that. Yeah. Because they won one league title, didn't they? Yeah, they weren't smashing it like, you know, they were all right, but mm. they, they finished like 10th for lot as well. Yeah. 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 Love that, where they belong. It's almost like a third belong. It was like a third yeah. like, now win trophy that we, yeah. No, all right, well, we've, we've got a lot to choose from then, um, and a couple of late entries as well. So, what do you guys want to go for? Don't all rush at once. Oh yeah, I like <laughs> a lot, a lot to choose from there. Yeah, I did like Zlatan. I do like Zlatan. Yeah. Yeah, I must admit because the the hypocrisy is outrageous. Like you know, I've got one extra one. I don't know if you guys have seen Michael Owen's denim collection, but he's <laughs> come again. <laughs> Michael Owen's done some denim like denim clothes modelling and he just looks ridiculous oh, no yeah. but I, I did see him fall off a bike the other day he fell off his bike by his drive I think that one's got a win just for the headline alone hasn't it yeah I think Michael Owen's denim collection <laughs> that goes in room 101 <laughs> <laughs> Michael Owen's denim collection like it oh, I'll tell you what I bet it's bland Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's about, I don't know. There's a there's a joke about not finishing or not being loyal in there somewhere, but I'm not smart enough to find it. It keeps um, tearing. The hamstrings keep tearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. He's ripping at the back. <laughs> okay. Well, Michael Owen's the only player who's joined a club and said, "Oh, I wanted to join another club, but I'm joining Newcastle now, just anyway." <laughs> I really wanted to join Liverpool, but um, I'm here. So this is the, I've never. That's, I think that was the most bizarre joining press conference ever. Like, I'm really glad to be at Newcastle, but really I wanted to be at Liverpool. Oh, thanks, Michael. <laughs> we just earned 17 million on you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Way to endear yourself, eh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay well that's about all the time we've got for this week thanks for listening to this episode be sure to drop us a like and a follow whatever platform you're on you can find us on youtube and spotify at let's all laugh at a football podcast as well as twitter at lala underscore podcast i'll be sure to check out dan's work on last word on sport and extra time talk i'll be sure to check out life's a pitch be sure to check out andrew's channel check out our social media links are in the description as always thanks to dan johnny and andrew for joining me thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time take care